Bonzilla presents Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a special bonus spinoff of our Pirates series. We take a look at what happens when the Pirates crew takes on the Wild Wild West using a very iconic set of characters. From 2013, it's the Lone Ranger. everybody it's bonzilla time once again one more not one more more bonzilla for you and your ears uh i'm nick i'm will and uh we're back yes it's been uh, a little bit of a hectic time around both of our our lives i've been traveling weddings and and mother's days and lives and it's been uh it's been whirlwind at least for me i mean i'm sure you have also had your little whirlwind of a life going on no, I've actually just been sitting at this mic for the past <laughs> two. Like, I was just like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. So I, I've had to watch. I actually watched The Lone Ranger on repeat. It's just been <laughs> cycling over, over and over again. I'm in like, um, the ninth circle of hell. Okay, well, uh, well, we thank again listeners. Which valuable. is actually not, I should say, it's not necessarily like supposed to be like uh, uh, a pre-dig at the movie. It was just more so like. Just like imagine, imagine just any two and a half hour movie play on repeat. Well, I just think like I think if like if the best movie of all time could play on repeat, and eventually it would become hell. Yeah, like like that's like that's the version of hell where it's like, oh man, I get to watch Avengers Endgame like every day. This is great, and then you sit there and I'm like, all right, well I could use another movie, and I kind of. I think see- it's like mostly like if it was on like you could not like there's no respite. Like, right. You if have to sit through the cre- like the credits is the only breather you get. Yeah. And then and it just restarts again. Would it be better if it was a long movie or a short movie that you had to watch on repeat for eternity? I feel like I, don't, I mean, that's an interesting question, because I feel like a short movie would get more tiresome quicker. Because yeah. if you're watching like a if you're watching like, you know, like 60 minute Dumbo on repeat, like it just like that all that stuff's gonna come quicker. Whereas like a longer movie, at least you might have like certain points where it's like, okay, this scene, and then we have a little bit to go with this scene. There's like kind of gaps in between certain scenes. Yeah. But like, like the longer can... but the longer movie would definitely feel longer once it gets to that tiresome point. I, I feel like you could easily zone out in a long movie. Yes. Kind of like this one. Boom! That's the pre-dig. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, all right roasted well you know why don't we just start get started on it then um we are kind of a kind of a coda in some respects to the the pirate series a little bit of an extra bonus episode um this was what i was actually interested in, in looking at for a, for a while it was an idea that i had when we discussed doing the pirates series uh in the sense that you know it, it retains a lot of that core pirates team it's gore it's bruckheimer Ali and Rocio, Depp, obviously. Uh, and it's just sort of like translating that sort of Pirates team into a different... Uh, uh, funny enough, like, you know, not too dissimilar of a time period, right? Still kind of old-timey Pirates in, in, in Wild West. It's not really that different in that respect. 
in terms of like kind of oh, that yeah, time I period. Mean, but but it just in terms of a different genre and sort of could they could they what the, what would they come up with? And I, I know I hadn't seen this movie since I believe I watched it with friend of the podcast Patrick a bootleg copy of it <laughs> on, on his TV. I didn't even see this in theaters. So I'm, I was curious to kind of revisit it after all this time. Yeah. I mean, and what that, that was kind of the reason that we had kind of, at least to me, it was the obvious decision to talk about it. Cause effectively this was like, I, it, not necessarily um, Gore Verbinski's next Pirates movie, but like it was marketed that way. It was like, it, it was like, you like those movies this is like, oh. spiritually like the, the the next step for these guys. So it was kind of it was kind of like that. And I didn't see it. So this would be my first time seeing it since uh, like home release. Because mm -hmm. I remember I was I, I think I it was another movie I watched with my dad because, again, we were a fan of all of Gore Verbinski's um, Pirates movies. So uh, that was the only time I watched it. So that it would that would have been many years ago and and i think what we were talking about the the marking of it like that was i was gonna mention it a little bit later but like a lot of movies you're like from the team that brought you this movie but the the marketing of the lone ranger was very much just like it's pirates of the caribbean it's all the stuff you love about pirates of the caribbean but in a in a different space it, it really leaned in on the fact that like it was similar to those pirates film well you know it was interesting i distinctly remember the trailer and it's funny that I'm, I'm thinking about this now because now they're advertising the new jurassic world and um it's just funny that the trailers and the posters i don't think even have the title on it because they know it just has the logo because everybody yeah. knows like everybody's just going to go and like the jurassic movie the dinosaur movie like it's all the same bullshit um but i distinctly remember when the trailer for lone ranger came out it was like from the from the minds behind or from the creators of whatever. And then it was just the Pirates of the Caribbean logo. Yes. Yeah. Like they didn't even, it wasn't even like the title. It was just like from the creators of boom, the logo. And then like, I, I distinctly remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice. And again, just in general, like I love talking about and like revisiting movies like this, right. Sort of the, the big movies that sort of, over time have had their reputations one way or another, you know, and, and not necessarily one that is always revisited. I feel like this movie is just kind of like, it definitely exists. And I think it's had its place in history. And I, I was very curious to feel, to get a feeling of what, you know, what it was actually like, because I did have some memories of things that I liked in this movie. And so I thought it would be interesting to kind of go back to it because that's, some of the fun, most fun I've had on this podcast are like rediscovering different aspects of movies and trying to find the good in them and what is good about them. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting when we get to it is that for me, because it is, it's not a real talked about movie at all, but I think its place in like its legacy, if you were, if, uh, if you put it that way is more kind of tied up into a larger mini era of <laughs> of especially Disney blockbuster making like the oh yeah that, that post um like just that time when well I guess I'll just mention it I mean this was the time of like post pirates at its peak and then we're getting into the John Carter's and the Tron legacy like it's like when they're really getting into this era of like 
their their live action blockbuster epics that they're that they're yeah and pushing out and, yeah we'll, we'll get, yeah we'll we'll get to that like I think kind of fully talking about the movie but it does especially this one it, it does have an interesting place when you really look at even cinema history in terms mm-hmm. of like that era and and what what that era eventually made Disney you know into and like kind of the direction that Disney takes after that kind of series of movies. Uh, but I think before we get to that, I think we got to talk about a little bit about the the sort of the, the where this movie comes from. And obviously, the first thing you have to mention is the legacy of the character known as the Lone Ranger and his buddy Tonto, uh, which originates in the 1930s as a radio show, the, the famous Lone Ranger radio show um, that was immensely popular, uh, sort of this take on the Western hero, sort of a fictional version of the heroes that had been already sort of made through American legend, like the Davy Crockett's Daniel Boone, sort of the, the famous cowboys and, and sort of the, the, the West was, you know, one of cinemas and when one of like sort of this era of entertainment's like major genres. And so the Lone Ranger was sort of the biggest hit out of all these sort of cowboy radio shows. Um, and the, the backstory was always sort of the, the, the basic story was always the same where the Lone Ranger was this guy, this this ranger, uh, uh, John Reed, who had his brother as a ranger who is, you know, killed by the the Cavendish gang. Tonto finds him and sort of revitalizes him and he swears vengeance on Cavendish and all that, you know, break the laws out in the wild, wild west. And sort of the, to represent that he has died and come back to life, he wears the mask and, and has the identity of the Lone Ranger. So no one knows who he really is. Um, you know, the famous lines of who is that masked man gets associated with the William Tell over. Uh, sorry. Yeah. The William Tell overture, um, his high silver, high horse, high ho silver away. All this becomes very much entrenched in American iconography. It's a very major hit for for radio and has spawned a great legacy just outside of that. I mean, even the, the the show was so successful that like they they had a spinoff with the great nephew of the Lone Ranger called the Green Hornet, and that's where the Green Hornet comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it kind of was its own very big piece of American pop culture, uh, at least very early on, and, and still retains. I even have. Uh, it's funny. My dad gifted me when I was getting into vinyl collecting, I do technically have a Lone Ranger vinyl that like collects a lot of the recorded thirties and forties. Oh, that's cool. Radio serials. So, um, but one other thing about the Lone Ranger legacy that will lead us into this th- 2013 film is that post the radio era, you know, once we got into the really big era of film and television, the Lone Ranger was one of those things that they always tried to come back to. Uh, in terms of, you know, readapting it for, for different media. Most famously, there was like a 50s to 60s television series, The Lone Ranger, um, that kind of became the most visually uh, known version of The Lone Ranger. Um, there was an 80s movie attempt that very much failed because of lawsuits relating to the original television series. Essentially, the film producers sued the guy who played the Lone Ranger because he would make appearances as the Lone Ranger all around America. He was still really known as that was his role, that he couldn't wear the mask anymore. <laughs> and so the guy just put on sunglasses and still called himself the Lone Ranger. And essentially, like everybody 
all the fans sided with the, the Lone Ranger guy and the film just bombed in theaters. So that brings us to, you know, um, it brings us to about 2002 where that first modern attempt at a Lone Ranger movie comes in. It was really going to be with New Line Cinema, um, sort of a, not necessarily a spinoff, but sort of a tonal similarity to like the Mask of Zorro was what they were looking for. Uh, something else from around that time period that was in development. Um, and at that version, Tonto was going to be a woman, a love interest woman, because, you know, that's what you need in a 2000s at Western epic. Eventually, the rights get bopped around a little bit. Eventually, uh, the Weinstein Company tries to take it in. But eventually, in 2007, the rights land in the hands of Jerry Bruckheimer. And Jerry Bruckheimer brings it over to Disney in the midst of them producing these two Pirates of the Caribbean sequels of Dead Man's Chest and uh, at, uh, at World's End. Uh, so the original idea for Bruckheimer is, okay, he's going to work with Disney and kind of make it sort of in that same vein as Pirates. Uh, and he's going to bring in his writers from Pirates, Terry, uh, you know, Elliot and Rocio, Ted Elliot and Terry Rocio, uh, who do sign on to the movie uh, as they're finishing up those two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Now, uh, and Elliot and Rocio, their whole bit with the movie was very much they wanted to treat it similarly to how they kind of treated that Pirates trilogy in the sense that they want to take, you know, obviously it's based on an actual story this time. So they're going to take the origin, the traditional origin with the Cavendish gang and being killed and Tonto and everything. Uh, they want to inject a similar aspect to what they explored in those later two pirate sequels about sort of the expansion of the world, this time using trains instead of the East India Trading Company. But that same idea of trying to get power and sort of the, the everything getting smaller and bigger at the same time, that sort of thing. And of course, just like with pirates, they were very interested and keen on bringing a supernatural element to the story, something that had really not been present in the traditional Lone Ranger lore. The Lone Ranger lore is very much straight-laced Western adventure type of stuff. Uh, whereas Ali and Rocio, uh, their original vision of the movie was much more supernatural than it ends up being. Uh, allegedly, there were going to be werewolves involved, which was going to talk about the silver bullet type of thing, and a lot more of sort of this weird West as opposed to kind of the... the I don't want to say subtle because the, the supernatural stuff is not too subtle in this movie, but the the, the kind of lower key subtle, it, low key sort of supernatural elements we get. We'll get to why that changed a little bit. So in the original idea for this, it wasn't going to be Gore Verbinski. Uh, Gore Verbinski uh, originally was going to move on from Pirates and he had signed on to do the Bioshock movie after Pirates of the Caribbean finished up. Uh, he was going to do that for Universal. So the original plan when this movie was kind of being produced around 2009, 2010 was it was going to feature um, director Mike Newell, who was working with Disney on a little Jake Gyllenhaal vehicle called Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time. Another one of this sort of era that we were talking about, this sort of era of Disney bombs, if, if we're going to put it um, at, uh, you know, directly, uh, but eventually sort of the, Prince of Persia thing happens and Newell's not much in favor with the Disney brass. Uh, so the idea pops up that, hey, why don't we talk about Gore again? Because by the time that they were kind of getting into looking for a new director, 
the the Bioshock deal with Take Two Interactive and uh, Universal had already sort of fallen apart, and and the movie didn't seem like it was going into, um, you know, going to be going to be a thing. So Gore is interested in the same reasons that he's interested in pirates. He thinks it's a it's a world that you know, unlike with pirates, the West has kind of always been around as a genre. It's never truly disappeared. It's had its ups and downs in its higher times as a genre. But it's never really disappeared. There's plenty of cowboy movies. But Gore was interested in putting his own spin on it. He liked, just like Elliot and Rocio, he liked this idea of exploring the railroad and its effect on American culture and history and everything like that. And he just felt that it would be a, a very visually interesting film that they could film in the actual American West and use all that, you know, Western iconography of the mountains and, you know, Monument Valley and everything like that to kind of really make something distinctly interesting so the plan is is gore is going to do rango which is kind of his next official project um another western that he is working on uh and gore when talking to bruckheimer when bruckheimer first got the rights they were casually talking about it while producing those pirates films and gore at that time had kind of laid out well Depp johnny would be a would be a great tonto and so now that gore is on board he wants Johnny as his Tonto and Johnny is interested. So uh, they'll, they're going to finish Pirates of the Caribbean uh, um, on Stranger Tides first 2011. And then they'll have that big gear up to do the Lone Ranger. Um, so yeah, it's our, yeah. Depp also had to finish up Dark Shadows as well. I uh, should say that. Um. So Depp, I'll talk about Depp right now. We'll talk about the rest of the cast in a second. But Depp right now, I want to talk about his decision to play Tonto and his view on playing Tonto because it is worth bringing up, right, that this is one of those things where Johnny Depp is a white man playing a Native American character and one that is, you know, very steeped in sort of that Native American stereotypical, you know, the weird Kimusabi and sort of all this sort of stuff that, you know, the, 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 all the things that hang over how Native Americans have been portrayed through history, you know, right? The kind of the, the mystical savage type of thing, all that sort of stuff hangs over the Tonto character. And Depp was interested in playing this Tonto uh, version of Tonto for a couple reasons. One, Depp has claimed that he does have Native American ancestry in his history. I believe he says he's like one eighth Native American. Uh, but Depp was very interested in presenting a film that portrayed, you know, Native Americans in a not stereotypical way. Again, like, this was he he felt that the Lone Ranger was going to be that movie and that they sort of he sort of worked with Elliot Rocio and, and Verbinski to kind of even add a little bit more of that sort of. Uh, the, the, to showcase that tragedy of like Native Americans throughout the Western times and sort of the, the, the hardships, the trials and the tragedy that they had befallen. So Depp was interested and thought that the Lone Ranger would be a way of him being able to tell that sort of story. Um, but also besides Depp, we also have to talk about our Lone Ranger. Um, and our Lone Ranger ends up being Hollywood vampire army hammer (laughs) 
actual cannibal. Actual cannibal. <laughs> we hammered. We got it wrong. Um, <laughs> so the the. <laughs> Oh my god. Sorry, good. Yeah. Um you can you guys can look that up. I'm you know Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a But the, but with the, if you go back into this era I want a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt with his face on it. it says Hollywood vampire. Uh, okay, um, go ahead. Go ahead. But I was going to say that this was sort of the era of Army Hammer where it seemed like he was going to fall right into that Chris Pine, you know, where Chris Pratt would be that sort of Hey, it's a he's going to be the big white Hollywood star. He can do blockbusters. He can do drama. He can do romantic comedies. Hmm. What? I'm getting at a running out of time thing. Oh. Why would you do? I I don't know. I don't know. Can I not do this anymore? Hold on. Let's try to figure this out. Uh oh, this isn't good. Right, we're recording now, so. Okay. Hey, so gang, I'm... we're back. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, just a little little Zoom update thing that i didn't know happened in the time that we didn't i don't think anybody knows this so apparently zoom put a time limit on one own once yes now if you don't if you're not a premium subscriber which i didn't know about and i don't think a lot of people know about that yeah i think a lot of people will be surprised once the that time limit thing comes up so anyways we were anyway army hammer um actually right before right before that whole thing it was interesting because I was thinking about Army Hammer because obviously, like the thing Army Hammer was, like got his face out in front of everybody was Social Network. Mm-hmm. Was like that was like the big like now everybody has knows this guy's face, but it's just interesting because he I I not I don't know was he I don't know if they ever like really pushed him as like this is your new lead. Well, you got but we got to remember too like this was also the time where. He was going to be Batman. Like yeah, that, that was that, what I was going to mention. Yeah, like that was the thing. Like he was setting up to be like, okay, he's going to be your Batman. He's going to be like this Lone Ranger guy. He, he, it just felt like he was like on the. He was having that. This was when he was having that shot to be like where Chris Pine. What happened to Chris Pine after Star Trek, right? Or what happened to like Chris Pratt after Guardians, where you're just like, okay, this is gonna be your new guy who's in a bunch of different movies, and like he's your blockbuster dude. You can do like a little bit more serious stuff if he wants to do it. He can go a little bit more goofy if he wants to do it. Like he he, he, he felt like he was gonna be in the sort of the the the, the Chris realm, as it were. Oh yeah, um, yeah, no, one hundred percent. And it's uh, actually funny. The more I think about it now, he would have been an interesting. Batman. I would have. Yeah, I would have been into that. It could have been. We could have gotten that George Miller Batman mm-hmm. with uh, all that other great cast that we could have gotten, but yeah. uh, we didn't. Uh, and he did the Lone Ranger instead. So this was, I mean, this was among like kind of the first big blockbusters that he, you know, was really doing, and and sort of, especially an iconic character, sort of like the Lone Ranger, where just yes, it's it's an old school character, but the name itself, right? Um, 
was was going to be it's going to have some weight to it that okay army hammer is going to be the lone ranger that he's going to play this iconic character so uh there was a lot of weight for it and i mean this is also right before he does you know man from uncle and everything like that and then sort of his you kind of look at that and his career kind of stalls a little bit after those two films and just in terms of like doing the really big stuff that, that that he wasn't working but uh you know it was just sort of like he didn't have that sort of upward trajectory post this movie but this was him on that upward trajectory of being like the next big sort of star as it were mm. um so yeah so you got your two your, i mean and the, these are the iconic lone ranger characters you've got lone ranger himself army hammer you've got johnny depp as tonto um, and sort of in terms of the traditional lo- Lone Ranger lore, uh, the last sort of major casting that we have to have here is our Bush Cavendish, um, who in this movie is played by one William Fitchner, um, who was chosen essentially because that it was a, it was a, you know, actor's actor. People love working with him. And he was like, I knew Gore knew that he wasn't going to be afraid to sort of really dig into sort of a character like this, um, especially with the added detail from Ali and Rocio that, you know, he likes to eat hearts um, and uh, sort of has that again, a little bit of an added weirdo, not even supernatural element, but sort of like just like an, an additional little character beat. But they, the Gore knew that someone like Fitchner would, would just dig into that role and kind of play a, a, a slimy, you know, Western, you know, outlaw in, in, in the way that he wanted it to be played. Uh, and, you know, you've got like a bunch of, you know, other character actors, you know, you've got your Tom Wilkinson as our kind of uh, railroad tycoon who, spoiler alert, turns out to be really the main villain of the film. Uh, same sort of thing. You know, again, he was just sort of, he's that type of guy who, He's gonna. You're gonna put him in this movie, and he's gonna do what he does. You know, he's just Tom Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. He's oh, good yeah. at what he does. Uh, we have a Helen and Bottom Carter appearance in uh, this motion picture. Uh, who again, sort of had her friendship with Depp and like working with him various roles. You know, we see him together in Sweeney Todd in Alice in Wonderland, various productions over the years. So it was essentially like, hey, I like working with Depp going to be in this movie, going to have a fun little time. Uh, Ruth Wilson as sort of the, the wife of, uh, of uh, the Lone Ranger's brother who kind of gets, you know, again, involved in everything. Uh, you have a Stephen Root appearance. You've got, you know, just a bunch of like fun little character. Actors. That, that was the one that, that really surprised me. I was like, oh, that's Stephen Root. <laughs> yeah. We got a Root in the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah. So that kind of cast to put together, obviously, uh, and it seems like everything's on pace for this movie to go, you know, go full steam ahead. But as the plans come together for the movie, as these actors are given their contracts, as sort of things are storyboarded and produced and, and planned, Disney starts to really notice that the budget is kind of getting a little, a little bit big for its britches. Especially considering that at this exact same time, they had another movie mm-hmm. where the budget was kind of getting a little bit big for its britches called John Carter. After, as in we have we recently established, they had also made the most expensive movie ever made in Pirates of the Caribbean Part 4. And Disney decided in 2011, 
They were going to delay the production of the Lone Ranger. And they were having an all hands on meeting with CEO Bob Iger, with at the time uh, head, president of uh, the chairman of Disney's World Disney Studios, Rich Ross, Verbinski, Depp, Bruckheimer, Elliot. It was an all hands on deck meeting, essentially saying, this movie is not moving forward until we get some sort of rain on this budget, with some sort of control on, on the budget that we have going forward. Because at the rate it is going, it is getting too big and much too big. I got, I got to be honest. There is a part of me that is starting to believe that John Carter uh, is like one of those nexus events in our reality of entertainment. Like, I feel that, like it's that. You know what? Yeah. I don't know why. I just like the, like that movie always represents like this shift. Mm-hmm. And like, because it was like, it, it was, that was like, and in fact, I would say like this movie was overshadowed by how much of a swing and a miss at the box office John Carter was. Yes. Like it just changed the entire approach. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I don't want to get into that a little bit later, but I think if, if John Carter is the big swing and miss, then this is sort of like the Lone Ranger does represent sort of the like the epilogue in terms of sort of like this kind of was like the the real nail on on the big coffin where John oh it Carter- was it was putting up the closed for business sign on the on yeah. the stadium like that that's what that's what this movie was <laughs> because it like and again i know we're going to get into it but it just it it's like not only just the size of the movie the type of thing that it was adapting and just like well, yeah, we'll get into it more, but I, I always it, it's just such an interesting uh, cultural touchstone. Right. So basically what happens here, they have this all hands on. This is August 2011. Production is going to be pushed back and the eventual deal is reached where um, Gore, Bruckheimer and Depp uh, and Hammer all relinquish 20 percent of their contract salary to the budget. They all push 20% of their, they all take 20% cuts. All that money goes into the budget. And Ellie and Rocio are instructed to tone down the heavy supernatural elements of the script and make a little bit more of a straight-laced Western world. Uh, well, and while Ellie and Rocio do get to have their supernatural fun with the movie, it is a, allegedly a much different sort of movie than it was in that original 2011 version of it. But eventually everything gets back on track. Uh, the movie is going to be now filmed in early 2012 for a 2013 release date, originally Memorial Day weekend 2013. Um, so production begins on May 8, 2012. Um, and again, all on location and shooting. Gore, as much as he loved filming on the sea, was very happy with the fact that he was able to just use a bunch of on land, real American locations. They shoot in Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, and California, taking advantage of all the various landscapes around those areas, um, as well as uh, sort of a lot of the stunt work and blue screen work were done in the California area on the uh, uh, parking lot of the Santa Anita racetrack uh, over in Arcadia. Uh, so they kind of built a big Western sort of set with the blue screen and with all the stunt work that they could do. Um, 
in addition to all the pre-production stuff we've talked about already with kind of the the budget issues and everything like that this is this is one of those movies where it was sort of a it was a hell production uh for lack of a better term uh there was a lot of really bad weather windstorms rain uh there was wildfires at one point uh there was a chicken pox outbreak on set at one point johnny depp got like uh, dragged by his horse and nearly missed nearly missed getting like crushed by the horse um there's a couple other stunt uh, incidents. Um, unfortunately, this is another motion picture where we had a tragic death on the set as well uh, as one of the water stuntmen uh, had a little accident when he was working in the big tank and, and, and tragically passed away. So they had to take a, a break for that. So uh, it, it was not really a fun production, though. Uh, Depp certainly had his fun uh, with the performance of Tonto. Um, and it was something that he, and, and I think we'll get into this in the movie. It, it's peak, it's peak Depp being weird and Depp having fun being weird. And I think this was a movie where he, especially now that he had done these three pirates movies with Gore, he was getting to do another character with Gore Fabinski as the director. Gore allowed Depp to have a lot of freedom with the way he played the character. So that was also kind of a big part of the movie's production. Yeah, yeah. I will say it's a more admirable version of his bullshit. Yeah, and it's still not... But it is his bullshit. (laughs) Um, But the the movie does stay within the allocated budget despite all these setbacks, especially helped by, again, everybody taking 20% pay cuts. Uh, Industrial Light Magic does a lot of the major work on the uh, movie itself, uh, including sort of creating the... uh, the uh, San Francisco we see in the sort of frame story, which I will, I will dig into very much really mm-hmm. soon. Um, the score originally was going to be done by none other than Jack White of uh, White Stripes fame and uh, Jack White fame. Um, but he changed his mind and dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. So eventually they did just bring Hans Zimmer back to do the score. And eventually the movie would get pushed back one more time um, to 4th of July weekend 2013 when the DreamWorks Spielberg picture Robopocalypse had its delays and eventually that movie would get canceled as well. Um, so eventually they did kind of go in a big American weekend, 4th of July. And again, as we talked about earlier, the marketing was very much like, hey, you like Pirates of the Caribbean, you like the team, you like Depp, you like you like uh, this director, you know, from the it's a whole team. It's Jeffrey, Jerry Bruckheimer. You know, Jerry Bruckheimer, right? Very much focused on we're bringing back Depp. It's bringing back Bruckheimer back together for a new adventure in a new part of the world. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. Uh, and this, yeah, it was a, it was a movie in many ways that, again, I think. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it was a movie in many ways. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, I, again, I want we'll we'll we'll, we'll dig into it as we get to the movie itself. But I Nick think this, is this, killing it today with like the, he's just making me laugh so much. It was, it's it's definitely the last vestige of this era of Disney doing <laughs> these type of big movies and like kind of putting all their their effort into it and obviously doing little bits and pieces at the parks to promote it. There were rumors at the time as they did with a lot of their movies around this period where 
they had contingency plans if the movie was successful to add more stuff to like the theme parks and, and have visions of what the future could hold for something like the Lone Ranger. Obviously, that would fit well in their Frontierland stuff. I mean, the same thing happened with John Carter. The same thing happened with Tron Legacy. The same thing happened with Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. This is We're talking about this whole era where there were, there were high hopes that this movie could kind of peak. And, and at the very least, what Disney hoped for was, unlike John Carter and unlike John uh, Tron Legacy, this had the depth factor. And, you know, Pirates 4 was very successful. They were also off doing their Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland that was banked on depth and had made a billion dollars at the box office. They kind of hoped that, yeah, these other movies were unsuccessful and didn't really hit those box office highs that we were hoping. But this one has Johnny Depp and this one has Jerry Bruckheimer. And that hopefully will will have some goodwill towards audiences. Yeah. I think I have more to piggyback off of that, but I'll wait until talking about movie proper. All right. Well, now we should be good to go uh, on recording. <laughs> hopefully uh but i think it's time for us to dig deep into the movie known as the lone ranger from 2013 hio silver away never say that again <laughs> it's my brother's fist eyes cut by the bullets that killed him from the great beyond he will protect you and the ones you love. You want me to wear a mask? The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. Better to stay that way. All right. But if we ride together, it's to bring these men to justice in a court of law. Is that understood? Justice is what I seek, Kimosabe. So, like I said, I had not seen this movie since home release. And I had not seen it since 2013. And it was kind of like, you and I had kind of talked about it, had similar opinions about it. Some of the things that were kind of like worked and didn't work or things that were weird. I don't know. It was it was a long time where I'm like, okay, I, I actually can approach this pretty fresh. Um, and in, in many ways, it's complicated. That's I exactly, very, I have very exactly complicated the, thoughts on the movie. Yeah. Exactly the word I would use for it. it it's yeah. complicated because, and it really just stems from, I think what I'm finding when I'm thinking about the movie, there's really, unfortunately, there, there's nothing, there's no, there's no real like good like thing to hang on to. But I do often find myself being like, 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 it's kind of cool that this era of like, it's, it's cool that like, they did John Carter, it's cool that they did the Pirates movies, it's cool that they did that, because they are a certain era of blockbusters. And I don't want to like, you know, for lack of a better term, because it's such overused, that it's like, that they don't make anymore. 
and it's kind of weird to say that because it wasn't that long ago they were making but it was an attempt at a certain type of epic blockbuster and with using kind of more niche source material and taking swings with it i mean like that's the thing i mean like it's definitely a very like between john carter and the lone ranger like these are very like niche pulpy properties right yeah like tron legacy was like okay we're going to take one of our properties but it is more of like a niche cult classic thing but and it's not like we're just going to do a new one like now we're going to do like we're going to like because when you look at tron legacy they kind of like stay within the same visual language but completely revamp it yeah like and they try to do something new with the technology uh the pirates movies are trying to like okay it's going to be the ride but we're going to make like a real big epic swashbuckling blockbuster film that goes even crazier in the next two films uh john carter like was you know doing its own thing by like taking inspiration from like the art style that came from those those original like strips or whatever and then the lone ranger like you know i'm sitting there watching the movie and i'm like you know as a director like gore verbinski is like taking some pretty interesting angles and choices and i don't know if it coalesces in anything that you can sink your teeth into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the movie is long. <laughs> it is, yes. it is long and, and it, and it, and it's lacking. I feel in, in some core element, like by the end of the movie, I don't know. It's just so weird. <laughs> it's just like, like, it's just like, do these two people like each other? <laughs> Like they play this back and forth with these guys where each one of them is always yelling at each other and they're he's constantly leaving Johnny Depp for dead. <laughs> and the movie just just kind of like takes its time. It's paced in a weird way where like the mystery is like not really an effective mystery because like you can see it coming a mile away what's happening and what's going on. Um they admirably try to do this thing with like the native americans but you know it it doesn't it doesn't quite land and it's it's just so weird like that to have like johnny depp be like the focal of it and always talking about like you know making jokes about the white man which are great but also like you, you just you can't get it out of your head like i'm like but that's johnny depp yeah like it's just weird it's just so it like so it kind of falls short from there i think army hammer is actually like really i think i i i think he's good i think he like i mean he's got what it takes and i think that they play the right notes with him but the story just kind of meanders like that's really the thing because because my thing about this movie what i remembered about it uh just from watching it back in the day was that not counting the the dumb frame story. Uh, I like the opening of the movie, or the opening train sequence, and I really like the end train sequence. And then the middle of the movie happens. And the story does meander a little bit. There's a little bit too much of, like, the Lone Ranger not wanting to be the Lone Ranger. There's a little bit too much of sort of, like, going back and forth on, like, what Tonto's deal is. 
like because again especially to say implicate that he does have some sort of supernatural thing going on with him too but they don't really lean into it so it's a kind of there's a lot of back and forth on what that is like there the movie does lack sort of a you know, like with the Pirates movies, there's a sort of big thing that happens. Like you're, you got the big action sequence. You got even little action sequences here and there. You've got ship battles going on. And I feel like the the middle of this movie, like it, it lacks that sort of buzz that kind of gets you up and, and back and forth onto like the, the sort of the pace. And, and you're right. The pacing is very off. But I do think there is some gem stuff in here. And I think a lot no, of No, it- see, that's what the problem is. The problem is it's like there's some admirable not bad choices like it, it's funny because well and i i, I think i do think i, I don't want to say every choice was like great but i i do think that a lot of my enjoyment of the film and the parts that i enjoy of the film most come down to verbinski as a director yes and, and i agree the, yeah and, and the way that he you know takes control of some of the scenes in terms of his directing especially when he does get those action sequences i think there's a lot of fun to be had uh, there's some fun especially in that last one there's that fun that that rube goldberg pirates type of action we've talked about where things are kind of constantly moving and when things are moving in the movie i i think it really emphasizes gore's direction i just think that there's such a big lull in the in this in the second act sort of the middle of this movie where it just it doesn't have enough juice to really kind of keep it moving. But I do think there is some gem stuff in here. Um, he, the, the thing about Gore that he he's really good at making kind of like a real dirty, dangerous world. Yes. But also a cartoon world. Like it's like it's still a very like – like I like it. Like that was the that was actually my biggest takeaway from him. It was like I actually kind of really dig him as a director. Like you know he he has this sense of like cartoon whimsy and pulpiness within like you know this world that is like really like dirty and grimy. Like so I I really dug that about the movie. And I and I also dug that whether and we can talk about how much it works and how much it doesn't work. But you know when they when they start trying to get into like there were serious moments when the movie did slow down and it was a quiet moment and they really want you to feel like, you know, the, you know, when they're at the all is lost moment, like, you know, with the score and everything, like, it's like, I mean, he directs it all really well. Um, You know, so the problem is like surrounding it, like it, it kind of is all based off of like, like of of course Tom Wilkinson is the villain. Yeah. <laughs> like you just know, you just know, you know he's the villain. And oh, but the big one was that, like I think that there is something really, really interesting. And I and I think I would side with the idea that he that um that uh Tonto is like kind of like he in his mind like he believes in like you know the spirits like in, as like an actual real thing and he thinks that you know our bad guy is like a wendigo like he thinks like you know he's kind of saying like all of this is like you know the supernatural like you know manifesting itself and bringing nature out of balance and and i think that there is something interesting in that okay well no actually the reveal is is that this guy has like some childhood trauma that has like made him not accept that And I think that's like an interesting plot point. I don't know if the story is done in with enough finesse 
to make that effective because you do have a guy who did come back from the dead. You have like demon rabbits. Like there's enough in the movie where you're like, oh, but like yeah, the the vampire cannibal rabbits. Yeah, and it's like you, but you see what I mean? It's like kind of like, well, wait, is this mystical? Is it not? And I don't know. Yeah, it's like you have the moment where like he touched where Lone Ranger touches the rock, and it like he has visions, and he's like kind of wilded out from it. Like that's the thing. Like there is again. They want to kind of have their supernatural cake and eat it too. When they didn't get to do the big supernatural version, they do kind of all this little stuff, but it, it doesn't really kind of fit into what the movie should be yeah. or is. I and, and here's the thing. I know that the point is like, but you're not really supposed to know, and it could be both, which I like too. I just don't know if the movie tells that story with enough finesse to yes. make it engaging. Cause you just kinda of, it kind of peters out. Mm-hmm. Like you you kind of so when you do the reveal of Tonto but you know that all this other stuff has been happening. Like it, it, it's not as lasting all those reveals. Yeah. As it goes, as it goes along. And I also like, like, I know it's like kind of like a, a weird, like specific thing, but like, again, like it just bugged me the more and more as it went on that like their relationship just never quite clicked for me. Yeah. It, it, again, it's just this little thing where it's, it, it, there's just a little bit too much. I, I don't want to say whining, but there's a little bit too much like gruff from Army Hammer's Lone Ranger that he like doesn't want to do all this and he doesn't believe in Tonto. And there's a little bit too much of like Tonto. There needed to be one moment like before the the third the big third act where they like actually seemed like they believed in each other. Right. Like I, and, I feel, and I feel like they tried to do that with like the capture of Cavendish at you know right before the end of the second act and everything like that. But I feel like there really need to be one moment where they're actually on the same page, and then like you have Army Hammer like not kill Cavendish, and that's where kind of a big split comes in, you know. Again, but I, it just really feels like they don't really nail that because at the end, you know, you're supposed to feel like okay, maybe they are you know supposed to have on these little fun adventures together, but like it, it and and again, some of their chemistry is good throughout the movie and especially like when they are having more fun with their discussions but sometimes it feels a little bit too rough if you know what i mean no and it's like and it's funny and then speaking about you know army hammer and um you know reed as the as the lone ranger it was funny so the biggest thing nick and i've been saying for years is like it is funny that like it's a movie where like a, a good portion of the movie is kind of either making fun of the concept of the Lone Ranger or like that Army Hammer doesn't want to be the Lone Ranger. Yes. And and I think that when I watch this, I, I think it just comes down to the movie is too long. So it spends a lot of time doing that. Yeah. Um, but when watching it, I'm like, I mean, it's not it's not a bad story decision that this guy, he's like, I want to try to be a man of the law and not give in to like, you know, the Wild West temptations or whatever and then ultimately realize it's like oh well like the system is so crazy i mean it's not it's nothing new you know, but new but like that's that's a fine yeah thing. And, and i think it's like because the most effective parts of this movie and the most fun parts of this movie is when the lone ranger gets to be the lone ranger like that's where the movie tends to succeed the most in this film and I think you're I think you're onto something that like it's really the length and the fact that we have to go back to that well so many times that if it was more streamlined and you kind of had more of a dedicated just arc of that character, it, it would play a lot more. I just think the fact that like 
there's so many scenes of him being like, I'm going to do it, but never mind. I'm not going to do it. And yeah, now I'm well, going to do it well, again. But it's two. But the, the problem is, is, is twofold, though. One is that, I mean, at a certain point, he just like seems like an idiot. That that's the problem, and I and Army Hammer is actually kind of good like that, and I think that's when I think you know Army Hammer is definitely like you know, it's he. What was I gonna say? I'll come back to that, but like he's good. I mean he he's good at playing that, but it's like after like the fifth time in which he's like it's like you know what no i'm not gonna kill them i'll go out and then he gets shot at it he's like ah it's like oh like the cavalry's here it's like everything is right like they do it so many times and it's fine if you make that a character but the way they play it i'm like well eventually dude you you gotta start realizing you gotta be a little bit more open you know what i mean like it's like because you just kind of seem like dumb at this point and so there's that but then also the other thing too it's like so then when he finally makes the all right i will don the mask then he becomes awesome at everything and it's like and i know there's all this stuff about the spirit walker and maybe this is like the product of like these are vestiges of like the script that they were going to do originally but i don't really get a sense of what that title means like there's a lot of like you 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 can't die but there's never a situation in which that happens right you know what I mean? And I know, and they're trying to also preserve the like, well, Tonto is full of shit. So like you can actually die, but then, and again, and then it all just gets messy. So then again, like you're losing your grip. The movie loses its grip on, on the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what I, and then it just kind of just flows through, flows through the end. Um, And then it feels long and then it just, it, it just feels long and i think the only thing that kind of kept me engaged was that i like gore verbinski's directing yeah i mean i think it's again the saving grace of the movie and i do think again i, I do think especially when he gets to direct the action i think that's sort of the most fun stuff yeah. in the movie and we'll, we'll talk more about it um i want to you want to talk what, about the framing device one of the worst framing devices in any movie i've ever it, it's just, it, there's no need for this so basically the movie opens, the actual opening of the movie is we're in like 1933 San Francisco, which is a very specific reference because 33 is the first year of the Lone Ranger radio serials. And there's this kid and he's at this fair in San Francisco. And this guy, you know, this this boozy guy is like, hey, come into the, the Wild West Hall like and see the, 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 the real Wild West as it was. And then the kid goes in. Again, I did like the little moment where like the kid pays the guy and then he immediately takes a drink. Just a little bit of like that stuff is fun. But anyways, the kid goes in and it's like this like really boring exhibit of like it's a buffalo taxidermy and it's like a mountain lion taxidermy. And this kid's like, oh, man. And he's wearing a Lone Ranger costume. He has like the mask and the hat on. And then he gets to like the Native American thing where it's like the noble savage contemplates his life or whatever. And then the Native American statue turns out to be Tonto or a Tonto wax figure come to life or whatever. And it's like old Johnny Depp in makeup uh, or Johnny Depp in old age makeup, basically playing like a hundred year old Tonto or something. And like, he basically like relays the story of the Lone Ranger to this kid in the weirdest way. And it's like, it's the most silly Depp stuff where he's like walking around old and he's got like a, you know, he's got like a, a, a dumb look on his face and he's feeding his bird and he's just, he's just walking around real slow. And every time it cuts back to this, I'm just like, why we don't, th- th- this is not necessary. Uh, it, it really just wasn't at all. It adds nothing to the movie. 
other than to say, like, I guess, like, the Lone Ranger is famous enough where they got serial, you know, that he's known in the 30s as, like, this legend. But, like, it's just, it really, it feels like an excuse for to let Johnny Depp put on old age makeup and play a crazy old Native American man. Okay, all right. I'm going to level with you. I kind of like it. It's, oh, it's, man. Oh, no, no, no. But listen, listen. It's bad. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense for many reasons, actually. It, it really doesn't make any sense. But there's just, I don't know, man. It, it just took me to like, maybe because once it's all said and done, they're never going to make a, a movie like this again. There, That was just kind of one of those wacky swings. Like, it took a chance. It they did. took a chance. It took a chance. It made a choice. And it, and, it, and it stuck with it so much. And there was one moment. And I think they kind of overplay their hand. There was a moment that I actually did when you when they started to reveal the 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 backstory of Tonto, and they cut from the the past version to the present version, and it was just it was like an emotional moment that I I think worked for me. Like so maybe like that worked, but it, it's just like like what is it? Like I like that's the thing. So it's yeah. like he's like a statue. But and then you can kind of see like, okay, well, then maybe this is just kind of one of those, um, you know, like, what's what's a movie that had that? I was going to say Indian in the cover, but Indian in the cover, it's not like that. But You know, like that movie where the kid like comes in and then like there's like a weird character and he's like, let me tell you the tale about that, like something like that. And you can feel like that's what they're going for. Yeah. But then it's like. But wait, so is so this is like that Tonto and like, but and then like but, and then like what's the story? Because then by the end of the movie, like they reveal like oh like he's getting all dressed up, prim and proper, like you know. And then is it, is he like where is he going? Is he moving on? But that's like not what Tonto's story is in the movie. Like it's right. like it's, his, it's, he, it's, it's a like revenge plot in the movie. Right. So I'm like, like it, again, there's this sort of weird implication. Like, is this actually like? Tonto at the museum or is he like possessing this thing or is he a ghost or is he a time traveler like there especially because what the like the quote unquote mid credits thing is where it's just the old Tonto walking through the desert like very slowly like there's a lot of weird implications and my thing about it too is that it, you'll kind of I think like their first part of the movie they kind of cut back to it like a normal sort of amount of times and then once you get to the second half of the movie it feels like they've forgotten it and all of a sudden it'll like pop back in and you're like whoa i guess we're going back to this thing now we haven't seen it for like a half hour well and then it's also like weird because then you watch it and it's not like he's like imparting real wisdom either like it's not like this is the lesson it, he's just kind of like retelling the story he's telling the story oh, right. and like has some metaphors and he basically tells the the kid never take off the mask and then they, at the end of kids like, right yeah, but I'll, it's I'll like, never take off the mask but again but even that's a plot line that is not does not manifest in the movie there's no. never a thing like this is why you have to keep the mask on like that's not really and and to the degree that it is in the movie does not play that big of a role right because so it's like, like it's really weird and then and then and then it all kind of ties into this thing that just does not quite work with this whole trying you because you can tell you can you can really tell that the movie is trying to lean into this whole showing the uncomfortable the, like the uncomfortable Amer like American history of like what we did to the Native Americans. I would say that it still ultimately is like 
just for lack of a better term, like not handled 100% no, the best. Especially because you have, a, uh, you know, your most prominent Native American character is being yeah, played by yeah. like a, a, a white guy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, so at first I was like, OK, well, maybe like it's supposed to be like this kid is coming up to be like the noble. Like, you know, he goes up to the thing and it says the noble savage. And maybe the story is going to be about like you just can't be calling people noble savages. OK, like you think that's where it may go, but it never really comes up. And I, and I think and admirably the movie is trying to be on that right side. And I wouldn't say that the movie is yeah. on the quote unquote right side with the exception of casting Johnny Depp, but it, it just, it's weird, but I don't know, man, it was, it was a choice. It was such a wacky choice. It is, it is. Or and at it, least if they had more fun with it, because there was that, that flashback where they're like, you know, they're robbing the bank. Yeah. And then like the, the theme song starts up and then they jump in the air and then it freezes and they're like, wait a minute. And then Johnny Depp, like, you know, they're frozen in the air, looks at the screen. I think if the, maybe there was more of that. Right. Yeah. Then, but I, and again, but it, it comes back to I, we got to talk about just Johnny Depp in this movie. Yeah. He just is committing to his weird bullshit more so as the old one. Yeah, yeah, like, no, no, it's definitely more emphasized in the old one. Like he's playing crazy old man, Native American, but it, it is all about the movie in his, in in just in its general performance of Tonto. Like it is in there. Yeah, and I, and I think that it's not quite bad, Captain Jack Sparrow yet. And I actually do feel him channeling this this character, and he's got some fun. Think, like he's not bad in the movie. I mean, there's a couple moments when you're like, do do we really need to see him put his head in a bird cage? Like, like it's just shit like that. Like I'm like, dial it down, dude. Like, um, yeah, because it's it's just weird. It, again, it's that weird, especially in this era of like trying to kind of have this representation where you have, I, and, and I feel like it is true to, to to what Depp wanted in the sense that you do have the sort of really, you know, hard history that you're kind to portray in terms of, you know, the, 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 you know, the unnecessarily murder of many Native Americans and the taking advantage of them and sort of how, you know, you, you can kind of manipulate them and manipulate, you know, the, the settlers to kind of killing them. There's a whole lot of that history in there. And there's a sort of general racism. And I do feel like they, they channel it and there are times where Depp really plays the character straight that really makes it work. But the problem, again, too, is like because Depp's being weird at, at some points, you know, it's like we're trying to portray the character as kind of a little bit more grounded. But we're also kind of playing into the like, well, he's a weird Native American and is a mystical right, right. Native American. And again, he may or may not have supernatural powers. And it's like it's just this weird mix of like even as we're trying to be very, you know, reflective on this we still have to have the character be weird and crazy in, in a way that is still feels like a stereotypical portrayal of a native American character, even if it's not on the most stereotypical side. Well, but, of but, and this is what the movie does. The movie tries to counteract that by like showing, like they go to an actual tribe of native Americans yes, and like, they're all quote unquote, normal, well represented native Americans. Like, yes. and they, they, so they kind of are trying to, and again, that's where I'm like, the movie is playing in good faith because they're trying to say like, oh no, he's like a weirdo. He's not one of us. And I mean, could you imagine, like this would have been a choice. Could you imagine if they just revealed like he actually wasn't a Native American? 
That would have been crazy. <laughs> He's just so like so. Then you have that in there. Anyway, that would have been a that would have been a choice. But you can see like they that stuck out to me like a sore thumb when they like actually get to the um to the tribe and then you you learn about the backstory and then that's how they visually try to juxtapose it. But you know it, it it's hard because you're absolutely right because. I don't know if it's undercut, but it's just weird. Like, I think a lot of the quirks. You're just so aware that it's his bullshit. You know, I, I, I think that, that is really the thing. This is that because this is really like Lone Ranger is at the last. And, and again, we'll talk about the the partially because of the movie success. This is the end or like just past the end of like the good faith. Johnny Depp's weirdness is a box office star. And I feel like we're right in that era where even at even with his good performances, it's just that the it's just not as interesting anymore to audiences. And I, I think there is a lot of it where it's like you are just very aware that it's Johnny Depp making choices because he's Johnny Depp. And yeah, it, and- it, it reminds me a lot of remember like how you you and I have always agreed of like the problem with Benicio del Toro in The Last Jedi why like that character doesn't work for us is because like his quirks are just so put upon and seem like actor choices. Yes. Um, so it's very similar to that. And, and the unfortunate thing is I think you missed out on a really good opportunity to have like a fun, funny, could be a fun, funny, entertaining native American actor portray this character. And yeah. like, and, and, you know, and it reminds me a lot of, you know, what it could have been like. It could have been like what the MCU was doing with Wong, mm-hmm. where in the comics, Wong is, you know, kind of like the, you know, the the, the sidekick, but is kind of like a, like a, like Kato from, uh, what's his, uh, from Green Hornet, but like, you know, is kind of a self-described manservant and is like, you know, helping like, you know, the, you know, the white guy and everything. And then they, in the movies, they've changed him to, like a like a very competent co-worker of yeah. Stephen Strange, who is now even the Sorcerer Supreme, and Benedict Wong is like super funny in the role, super charming, super cool, and has that charisma to him. And I just feel like you could have done that with this. Yeah. Oh, it, I, it, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think, because I think, again, when you're adapting something like The Lone Ranger, right, like it is one of those things where there's always going to be sort of an inherent issue with the source material but you can have if you really want to tell the story you can do something fun with the source material cast an actual native american actor to really ground it in something and you know have this fun back and forth because there are a few times where the character of tonto and the character of the ranger do get to have a little bit of a back nice back and forth mm-hmm. you're you're 100 right like if it wasn't johnny depp giving his weirdest all in this movie and making those acting choices that can distract from the performance, then you could have had something even more interesting than than what's in there. Because I actually, like, when I think about it, on paper, I don't have any problems with the character as he is in the movie. And I'm just, it it just, the way in which it's brought to life by Johnny Depp, it it just, yeah. again, it just, it it, it undercuts, like, some things, like... there's there was potential there is all i'm saying no, no, and, no, and, and sometimes is. it's disappointing like you sometimes you do get wrapped up in johnny because johnny depp is a talented funny guy and you know it's not he's not egregious in this but you know it, it definitely takes away from some something i think yeah yeah 
Um, so I, I do want to talk about, like, again, the, the, the parts of the movie I do like is once we get past the opening weirdness of the, the frame story, we do get sort of introduced to our characters. You know, we kind of get introduced to the world we're in. We're right at the era where the railroad is like making its way west and the big connections are going to happen. And we're finally going to connect the country east to west on, on, on the American railway. And uh, the famed outlaw Butch Cavendish has been captured. He's on the train on his way and the, the Texas Rangers are ready to hang him. Army Hammer, the John Reed character, is sort of a practicing lawyer who's on the train, you know, going to meet his brother, who's a Texas Ranger. Cavendish and Tonto are in the uh, the, the 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 prisoner cars, and there's a whole basically the whole concept of this is that there's a planned breakout for for Butch Cavendish, um, and sort of John Reed and Tonto kind of get caught up in sort of this escaped attempt, and. I really felt like, again, like just from this, if you were watching the movie for the first time and even watching for the movie for the first time all those years ago, like this sort of had the sort of Pirates of the Caribbean-esque vibe that you kind of want, you know, that you were kind of expecting, right? It's got, you know, at one point, like, you know, John Reed and, and Tonto are kind of like to get, you know, kind of, you know, um, claps together and there's some fun stuff with the chain where they're like, you know, uh, clotheslining people and like the chain gets caught up in this big like are you going somewhere no yes like that was a little fun i like that there was a great shot where uh john reed is um you know gonna you know has cavendish up the arms but then the door opens behind him and all of cavendish's guys are behind him some really fun kind of shots and looks and stuff and i feel like this was sort of the energy and when that movie had this energy that I, I liked or even the little moments where at the right when we're introduced to the character John Reed is with all these like um, Presbyterian women and, mm-hmm. and like in group, and like the kid drops her thing, or her little doll, and he's like kind of being all cute, and he has the catch, and he he throws it, and it like flies out the window, and it's like just a little. No, fun there's like that. There, there's good stuff. There's good stuff. In now, there. I I felt like this opening sequence like had like this opening little action sequence had like a nice energy to it that like oh man like I kind of can get on board with this movie, and then. It really doesn't. There's like one little bit halfway through that kind of has that, and then it really doesn't do it until the end sequence. Like, and that's where I think the movie. Well, I mean, you gotta. I mean, you gotta be honest. Like, I mean, if anything tells you about how long and how this movie is paced, that's like a big, committed. Like, no wonder these movies were so expensive. That's like a big committed set piece, right? And there's big camera swings and effect shots. Like, there's the whole thing when they're caught in like the little like uh, you know the railway sign thing on the side when they're like swinging around and the way the camera moves around, he hits the guy off the thing. There's, there's and I a- would argue, I would argue we're in mid act one. Yes, at yeah. that point in the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, there's a lot of really fun stuff with here, but it's just you're you're very much right and. Again, I think it speaks to like when gore gets to be that gore, this is when the movie really, you know, has its most fun with itself. And I think like especially gore in these pirates movies, as we've seen in his three pirates films and in this one, like he's he can have so much fun directing action and making Mm -hmm. action come to life. And I think that that's really where the movie tends to shine the most. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's interesting because it's like it's different than a lot of action that you see today because it's crazy, but kind of like streamlined in a way, like everything seems kind of like thought out and like, it's not as specifically like 
bang, 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 action punches everywhere. It's like there's kind of like this um right like instruction to it yeah yeah it's the rube goldberg thing right I, everything plays a piece in the way that everything moves right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and it's just like the way that you know you know reed moves through the car and how when they're connected and how they're connected and how they move when they're connected and what it causes them to do hanging off sides and again like they'll like trip up people you know it, it felt like like that's a scene where if like jack and uh you know orlando bloom were were like you, they, yeah. Similar stuff would happen, and it, like that's where it felt fun. He, he he does seem to have this sense that anything as a set piece is maximized in it. So like for fun, like so yeah. he's like, okay, like we're gonna have like you're right, like they're chained up. We're gonna use the chain, like we're gonna we're gonna use that, like uh, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it's it, it's fun. It, it was a and, fun opening, and it, it felt like again, like that opening bit. There was fun stuff between Tonto and Reed. Like I said, like the whole bit where they're like the guys like going somewhere, and he has his hands up, like no, yes, no, yes, and the, and Depp looks up at the thing they're about to get caught, but the chain's about to get caught. He's like yes, and then they fly off. Like that stuff's fun, and that yeah, stuff's fun. bounce. It's fun. And it, it's it's nice. Um, and the trains going, and it's again careening trains, and you know. Uh, high speed rails. I mean, I know you just watched Unstoppable. You know how trains are. Also, everybody go watch Unstoppable. It's great. <laughs> First of all, Unstoppable. It's not about a train. It's about a missile the size of the Chrysler Building. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they, you know, they get to town and right, Cavendish has escaped. Yeah, and 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 John Reed like turns in Tonto. No matter, he doesn't know what he did, and and Tonto claims his crime was being Indian. Um, you know, again, right. kind of de- like digging into that sort of aspect of Native American history. Um, but Reed kind of turns him in despite the help that he had. Because and like, we're also well, introduced to his brother Dan Reed, who is like the the, the uh, like the top yeah. ranger in the yeah, area. head of the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Cavendish has escaped. And the Rangers are going to go out to look for him. And, and, and John's like, well, I have to go with him. Um, and then they go with him. Yeah. And now this is where we get uh, really, int- I mean, we kind of got to introduce, we got really introduced to the Butch Cavendish character can play played by William Fitchner, where they're, they're looking for this guy. They're ambushed. We, as we find out, cause there's a mole in the Ranger operation, they all get killed. Cavendish is a heart eating weirdo and just decides to cut people's hearts out, which I can tell you was they you act they originally showed him eating the heart, and then when Alan Horn came in the studio, was like, yeah, we're not we're not we're not doing that. We're mm-hmm. it's a little 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 too much heart in my movie. That's what I need. Um, but uh, he eats the heart out, and everybody's like, there's people puking, and it's weird. And he's like, yeah, man, we killed the Rangers, and now we're gonna do what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fitcher's fun. I do wish there was a little... I almost want it to be a little bit bigger than it was. Uh, he kind of plays the very gravelly voice, like low energy, like, I'm a I'm a gambling Texas man badass, and I eat hearts. If anybody really wants a great performance by him, a villainous performance, go watch the Nicolas Cage movie, Drive Angry. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Where it's like, that's kind of what you... You, you know that he can be... Bring it above and he's got like these weird quirks and everything like that's a yeah that's a guy who makes his quirks work i think but if you really want like a good villainous performance that's super fun 
uh, go watch Drive Angry. I do appreciate like again, knowing how what Fincher actually looks like. I do appreciate like the makeup work and how much he plays with, yeah. with with that and sort of the look of his character because it definitely feels like kind of a classic like Western baddie, and I think he does channel that well. It just almost feels like you kind of want a little bit more just energy of like him just being kind of a weirdo, especially mm-hmm. if he's gonna if he's gonna eat hearts like. Go in on it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he kills them all. And then Tonto. And one thing I liked about the character of Tonto in this is like, I mean, they always like, and again, the movie always tries to make him the bigger man. Like, and, you know, he's always giving like, you know, Reed a second chance and everything, despite how he feels about him. But that was like one of the things like I do like that. That's where kind of the quirkiness came in when he's uh, coming to like bury all the bodies yeah. Like, I thought that was kind of, a, like, a nice character beat that, like, they put him in jail and they escaped and he followed them there. And then he's, like, you know, and he's going to maybe take their boots and take things that, you know, are going to help him out. But, I mean, he was doing little prayers on their bodies and was going to was gonna give them a proper burial. I like it. I mean, it's something that we see is consistent with his character, that even with his backstory and how he was portrayed, that's something that he does genuinely care for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, uh, I think it's around this time too, we get the, 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 the uh, spirit horse or the white horse that they, that the, the, the Rangers had seen going up and they kind of tell the story of like what the, what the horse is supposed to represent, you know, uh, kind of this ghost horse that kind of can, you know, sense life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the little bit with the uh, classic Johnny Depp bit where he's talking to the horse mm-hmm. and uh, he is uh, basically saying like, no, like you don't want that guy. You want this guy. This is the brother. And it's like, yo, listen, you're a stupid horse. You're like, you're an idiot horse. Um, and and Depp, uh, again, Depp is just being Depp here. And he's just kind of talking straight to a horse. Yeah. That that I didn't mind. I, I thought it was still pretty, like, it, it worked for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah I, I, no. thought it, I thought that all I mean, worked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, like, it's, if Depp can act to a horse, it's great. It's just the shit when he's, like, feeding the bird. Yes. And everything. And, you know, it's 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 hard because then now you're like, well, OK, now this guy is crazy. Like, it's not that he just why well, don't see. I know I, I, it's hard because Johnny, it's just not being played right for my taste. Like, yeah, if the whole idea is like he's feeding the bird and doing all that kind of stuff because he's so convinced in the supernatural, then that, that's like an interesting turn. Like, maybe you think that he is just quirky and crazy, but he actually is doing this because he's, like, hurt and damaged. But the way Depp plays it is, like, I don't know. You, It, it doesn't you, – you just you just see a crazy guy. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think that that's where we talked I mean, we talk about a little earlier. That's where the Depp performance hurts this interpretation of Tonto. Because mm-hmm. I think we said, like, if you had – an actual Native American actor kind of portray the character slightly more straight. Like you could still have some of the quirks here, but it would kind of still be a more, you know, serious kind of character. And I think it's, it's also with the combination of the big black and white makeup and, and the bird hat and, 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 and everything like that, that it just, it makes it, you feel like we've seen enough depth where like, you know, that he likes to be weird at points. And I think that it's like, when you have that knowledge, it's just hard not to see him just make these weird choices. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think he just, I think he just took one too many of these types of crazy roles in a row where you have like, you know, well, no, but it's like, you have, it's true. It's, you have the Jack Sparrow stuff, but then you also, I mean, you also have his version of Willy Wonka and you have, the his version of the Mad Hatter, and you have his Dark Shadows character, and it's just it all just kind of adds up. Which at a point. again is so strange because it comes off of 
him doing J Captain Jack Sparrow, who was not weird. Like, I mean, like he had quirks and personality like things, but he wasn't like a weird yeah. put upon character. Like he just, he, he played like he embodied that character. And then it's just like now you're again you're just aware. Anyway, that that shined out. I don't want to get stuck on that. Um, but yeah, so you know, then they they team up and they you know they're gonna go after the bad guys and figure figure it out. Uh, we're introduced to Helena Bonham Carter. Right. So basically, yeah. Well, we 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 first get introduced to the cannibal bunnies, which is oh right right yeah. I, I just wanted yeah. it's the most Ellie and Rocio thing. Like that's mm -hmm. one of those things where. I have softened my view on them as writers over the years. I do think they're not, you know, they've done so much. I do think that they are better kind of rewriting or being rewritten. I just, I just think that they, they, they have great ideas that sometimes get a little bit too weird. That whole vampire bunny thing, right? I call it vampire bunny. They're really cannibal bunnies. It's just the most distinct Ali and Rocio thing. Like I can think of, like, it's just really just them putting in a weird, supernatural s thing for the sake of putting in a weird supernatural s thing and well, it's one of the again, things i always took from this movie is that one bit that is never talked about or mentioned again i'm telling you man it's a vestige of what the earlier what, scripts yeah, were because there's all this talk about nature out of balance which yeah. again is a thing that doesn't really come up like it doesn't like get resolved there's no thing at the end of the movie that like the balance is restored and animals aren't weird anymore like you know there's nothing really like that yeah no it's very true but they eventually are like trying to find out what's going on with cavendish so they go to this the hell on wheel sort of brothel situation uh which features one hell in the bottom carter as sort of the leader of this this brothel um and uh her whole thing is she has a gun leg yeah an ivory gun leg which an was a joke i actually liked a lot i thought yeah. that was really funny like because it was always like her leg would be out and then people would be like oh but it was like i i just like that timely thing about like people are so smitten by ivory that it's like 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 it's like their jaws dry i, I just i thought that was a funny running yeah. gag and they, they kind of try to get the information from her if, they, if she's heard anything and eventually we kind of like get hinted at that like cavendish is the reason she has an ivory leg in the first place because she used to be a ballerina dancer yeah um i i like helena bottom car it, it actually when i was watching this i was like i haven't watched her in anything in a while i, I kind of forgot how good she, she kind of brings just a real fun little it's a one it's a character that has legitimate like two or three scenes in the movie right like mm -hmm. it's not a big role yeah, like it, it, it really is kind of like a big cameo, but it works. I like it. Yeah, and 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 she does get to bring some fun in her interactions with the the crew, and you're you're very much right again because I think sometimes she eventually because of how much she works with Depp and, and Tim Burton specifically that she kind of gets lumped in sometimes. It's like, oh well, she plays weird characters, but like she her career is actually a lot of fun when you look at the sort of the varied roles that she's gotten to play over the years so mm -hmm. yeah. um and, it, and it's fun to see her kind of in a western environment uh, i think she has fun with the leg thing I, I i like again i also like the thing i like about the gun leg because i've seen like you know you kind of see modern kind of gun hands and legs i i like it's just well i mean like, because I think of like, if you compare this to these modern gun legs, like, you well, know, no, but, these but kids today don't know what a gun leg really is. But I like the whole idea of like, well, it's like an old fashioned, like late 1800s gun leg. So it's like she's got to like pull back her her mm -hmm. thing and there's like the triggers on her like thigh. 
and, and like her upper thigh and then like a little thing comes out of the the boot and it just shoots things and, and i think like just that the mechanics of that are, are super interesting you know where it's not it's not like uh i don't know who, who um who else has gun well I, I i there's a guy in inner space that has a gun finger i always mm-hmm. think about like or, like but it's more like robot people right or like right. iron man type folks that have like things that kind of turn into guns or whatever where like or like when when the T-1000 turns into knives and stabbing weapons, you know, it's yeah. just like stuff like that. Where it's like this is just has like sort of that old timey mechanics of like, well, if you were making a leg out of a gun in the 1800s, this is what it would be like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's good. Like um, it. Yeah. And then the, the but then this is where we find out that apparently like the, the Comanche Indian tribe of the area has been doing uh going against their treaty and attacking white settlements so white men are after tonto because there was a report of like a a native american man in the building and we very quickly find out it's actually cavendish's men in disguise as uh native americans basically you know pretending to to be uh native american uh, because this is like a one little other fun action sequence when they have to escape this burning building and they jump off the horse. I thought this was a little a little fun time, but eventually they discover this ruse. And- oh, you know what I loved about that scene? One of my favorite jokes in the whole movie was when um the horse is on top of the building. Yes, and Army Hammer's like, he, he can fly. <laughs> like the way he says it is so funny, and then Tonto's like, "Don't be stupid." <laughs> I I like that. That was funny. Yeah. Um, the other thing, okay, so I think we'll get to this now because I think it's right around this period that we're, we we kind of get into the fact that um, Dan's you know widow, uh, Dan Reed's widow, um, mm-hmm. who's played by Ruth Wilson, Rebecca, mm-hmm. and her and who, and, who? Sorry, go ahead. And her kid get kidnapped by the Cavendish gang as well. This whole this whole thing is one of those thankless roles because it's it's like one of those things that feels like it's like well we need to have the the widow character do something, but that the the Rebecca never and and the kid I mean the kid gets a little bit more to do, but Rebecca really never feels like a really necessary part of the movie. There's really not much at all to like her performance or her character or like her journey in the movie or what she's doing. There there's really not much to like any of this she tends to be in that realm of the damsel in distress sort of like uh it's something to for army hammer to save at the end of the day and it's kind of disappointing in the sense that like because we just had these three films with these same people that featured Kira knightley's elizabeth swan which was a whole bit about making a stronger female character and like having her arc over the, the course of those movies and even even just in that first movie how her character is portrayed and here it just feels like it really just feels like so we have to have this when you really didn't need to have it it doesn't really add anything to the plot of the movie yeah i can't disagree i i mean i think that what they try to do is that they tried to soften it a little bit by making it more about like, it's like the the mother and the son. So it's yes. like, it, it, so it doesn't quite come off as damsel and distressy because it's like, oh, it's it was like the Rangers family that they have. Um, I mean, my thing mostly because so they have this whole plot line where um, our um, our lead, what it, it's not Dan. What's no, it's the, John Reed. John Reed. So John 
and her like had a thing when they were like younger, like that they liked each other, but then, you know, John went, you know, away and to live his life of being a man of the law or whatever. Yeah, he went to law school and stuff. He went to yeah. law school. So then and then so then there's kind of like this plot line where like, you know, she married the the, the brother, brother, had a kid, but there's always like but she's always loved you like mm-hmm. the most or whatever and you have feelings for her and whatever. And it's just kind of like you don't need it. No, and it, and it does still get weird though. Like Right, it, right, it, yeah. It's, because it's because they do have like a big little kiss moment at the end, like when they're being when he's being saved, when she's being saved from like the in the third act sequence, and it, and it still feels like, yeah, I know that there's like a backstory with you guys, but also that was your brother's wife, and like he had just died, like not and well, that and long then ago. but they talk about that in the movie because Tonto says that, and then like he brings that up about like, no, that that would be inappropriate, even if I do have feelings, it'd be inappropriate, and also. It's a lot. It's it's almost a feature length stretch of time before they even see each other again. Yeah, like by the time like they see each other again, if I remember correctly, they're heading into the third act of the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So I, I found myself being like, that was a, a kind of a plot line that didn't right. really work for me because it eventually like the whole thing with them is that they're captured by the Cavendish gang, and like Cavendish tells like the guy who like betrayed Dan and the rest of the Rangers, like the fake Ranger essentially, or the Ranger that was in his pocket to like kill them. So he goes off, but he doesn't kill them. But then, you know, they're going to get captured again, but then Tom Wilkinson saves them. And his whole thing is just like, well, you were the family that I, I prayed to God for a family and by God, you're going to be my family. And they're all Mm -hmm. like, it's a little weird, but you know, it's a little bit something not on the level. And, like, meanwhile, the Lone Ranger and Tonto are, like, trying to, like, figure out what the hell they're going to do and try to find Cavendish. And they get captured by the the, the Native American tribe. And, um, you know, they're trying to convince them, like, hey, it's not like it's not you guys attacking settlements. It's these white guys pretending to be you. and We can prove it. And this is where we start getting into the Tonto backstory. Um, I do. I, there's a there's a thing, too, where they do the little running gag where, like, Tonto keeps, like pretending all the stuff he does is like tribal like you know right, right yeah mm-hmm. like they, they have the whole bit where at the at helena bottom carter's like brothel that like tonto steals his drink and it's like oh it's like a it's a comanche right of like respect it's a comanche sign of respect to take another man's drink and then he tries to take a drink of the tribe and they all like go to kill him and they're like oh tonto told you that to do that don't you because well he's an idiot and and uh, he's not really one of us. And it, the yeah, whole see, back- but I like this is where I have a hard time with it, though, because it's like, is this like a character who is like is, is like traumatized or is he like a like an outcast weirdo? Yeah. Like which way? I don't know if it can be both because mm-hmm. they go the whole backstory. Essentially, the whole backstory of Tonto is he saved these two guys, uh, these two white guys. He brought them to the village. He found them dying in the desert. And while they're nursing him back to health, the guy, the white men find silver and they are asking Tonto, like, wait, where's the silver come from? You know, because it's definitely worth a lot. And Tonto is originally going to be like, no, but like little kid Tonto is persuaded by a trade for a pocket watch. So he shows them that, hey, at the at the where the river begins, there's like essentially this like mountain of silver, like this whole mountain made of silver. And they're like, oh, my God, we strike it, which but the white guys like no one else can know about this. So they kill Tonto's entire village. And from then on, Tonto is like, well, I'm out for revenge on on this guy's who. I mean, like, it's a sad backstory. 
Yeah. It's so sad. And my problem with it is like everybody's giving him shit. Like, I'm like, 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 it's like, you sold him out. I'm like, he was a kid. Like, it's not good. And I understand, like, you know. Yeah. That's bad. But like, I, I found myself being like, oh my God, I don't think people are really giving this guy like the, the proper respect. I don't know. Found myself thinking that a couple times. Yeah. And, and I think it's also, again, it's just, again, it's in that weird spot where like, this is tra- the tragedy of you know Native American history is that they were ruthlessly murdered for like the resources of the land and and like you know promised land that was taken away from them. It's all this stuff, and especially because again this kid in the flashback story seems to be played by a Native American kid as far as I can tell, and there's a very much a respect. And again, the same thing with the actual Native American, the rest of the Native American tribe, they're treated basically like wait we're not stereotypes. We know English. We know what we're doing. We know what's going on around here. But then you just cut back to Tonto and he, he just has that like that over the top Johnny Deppness. And I know we keep bringing it up, but it's just such there are times where that becomes such a big disconnect that it just really hurts the film. I will say I laughed a lot when after all of that happened and it cuts to like them being buried in the in the in the ground. And, yeah. and it Tonto's like, did my name come up? <laughs> like, <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's also that's where because we've also been introduced to the the kind of the American army that's coming in to take on the oh yeah Barry native, Pepper comes in yeah yeah and uh, that whole character is that he's the Native American general who is kind of like sort of like unsure of himself in some ways and and sort of eventually gets on the side of bad because you know he doesn't you want mean the Ameri- you mean the American general yeah yes okay got it got it okay, yeah, yeah 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 well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second but they're buried in the sand and they have this whole thing with the scorpions coming up and nature out of balance the the horse saves them but you know tonto is you know once again sort of there's arguments about what's actually going on where they're going to go he's going to leave them for dead but hey you actually know where they're going do you he and leaves like, them for dead so much yes you just found out this guy has childhood trauma dude mm-hmm I don't know, like, and I know, like, maybe I'm being prudish, but, like, that's a moment usually in a movie where, like, the character should be, because every time, like, Reed kind of says, like, he he comes to Tonto's defense, everybody's like, don't do that. (laughs) And, And I thought that they were building up to something really cool, but then at every turn, like, he just keeps leaving him for dead. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like that. That but eventually, because eventually, because we do get, like, again, one of the, like, the cool moments, like, what the poster is and everything, where they uh what's it called they have to he has to bring tonto because he knows where they're going they're going to the silver mines and they're doing the mining and essentially like tonto and the lone ranger like walk out of the cave and like all badass form and the lone ranger's got his mask on and it's like Mm -hmm. again this is the stuff where it's like when we're embracing the lone ranger being the lone ranger that's the best part of the movie like that is like the coolest stuff when they're walking out together in the little slow motion it's super nice and they do capture cavendish but the whole thing is that Johnny Depp Tonto wants Cavendish killed because it's just like this is the revenge mission. And at this point, uh, John Reed still believes that, hey, we're, we still got to follow the law. This man deserves a trial. This man deserves to be taken in. We're going to take him into the railroad guy, Tom Wilkinson, um, who, again, we've kind of cut to throughout the movie being very suspicious so as we talked about it's very obvious where that whole thing's going there there are times where like he's being very suspicious and very obviously evil in the you, way you that know he... what 
he functions. I'm glad you bring this up because now I'm. it's kind of dawning on me. I think a lot of how all this story kind of plays out and reads naivete and everything, like, I think a lot of that would have been better if it wasn't so obvious who the bad guys were. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of also give it away, too, in the flashback because, like, the whole kind of, like, you know, tell is that is that watch flipping yes. that he does when he gets in his hand because you saw it. It's such a specific thing. Maybe they're just counting on the runtime. It's just too much for people, so you forgot that by the end yeah. of that. <laughs> well, as, as soon as the as soon as the the American army shows up and he literally is like right on time. He's like, yeah, that's definitely a man. Dude, who has a- as soon as Tom Wilkinson shows up in the movie. <laughs> He's clearly the bad guy. <laughs> fair, I mean that's fair enough too. When he does that ominous chat with uh with uh you know um the the wife like you know like it's like it's clearly he's the bad guy and he's behind all this and he wants to be in charge of the railroad like you know what's happening. So it's kind of hard maybe that was the whole thing maybe why it was so hard to get on board with like you know he wants to side with the law but it's going to take like a betrayal to like snap him out of that yeah but it's hard when it's so clear that those other guys are bad (laughs) well let's let's just get to it then so basically you know tonto's gonna kill cavendish lone ranger knocks him out and he brings you know he brings uh uh cavendish to uh what's his name uh what's the character's actual name tom wilkinson latham cole brings him to his railroad and like there's a big thing Again, this is where Tom Wilkinson gets to be weird with the with the wife where he's like, listen, like you're my family now. And the wife's like, uh, I don't think so. And then they come in and the kid thinks that the uh, Lone Ranger is his dad, but it's not. And then they kind of have this discussion of like, hey, man, it's great that we that we're here all together now. And we, we got the guy. And, you know, Tom Wilson gives gives his bad guy reveal speech where he's like, listen, man, like people like Cavendish, they don't have vision. I have vision. I'm going to control the railroad and get all the power and be president someday. Like, that's essentially what he's implying. He's essentially being like, I'm going to be the most powerful man in this country and we're going to make this country great again because we're Americans. Right. And he betrays the Lone Ranger and he reveals himself to be Cavendish's brother, as we saw in the flashback. And there's a whole kind of little Mexican standoff situation where, you know, he actually, you know, Reed gets the jump and gets the gun on him. But then the the American general comes in and he's like, like, he's kind of like at least taken aback. It's like, hey, like, you know, if we if we were lied to about those those Indians being, you know, uh, attacking those things and I just attacked him for no reason. And then Wilkinson's like, yeah. And wouldn't that be bad? It wouldn't that be if I brought that to the courts that you just attacked these Indians and you broke the treaty? Like, how would you feel? And he's like, okay, well, I'll be on the bad guy's side because you guys are powerful railroad guys who won't turn me in. And this guy might. And essentially, like, we just get this kind of big little fight. And the kid is like, uh, I did. I did like that. The mom is essentially like, hey, kid, like, put this gun on this guy. Or like oh, yeah. whatever. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I I did like that moment with the with the with the wife, uh, in the sense that it did give her a little bit more character. Of just like, well, she's not dumb either; that she knows something's up, which is funny because again, the Lone Ranger doesn't know what's up. Uh, so then the kid like kind of has this whole situation where he realizes his dad's dead, and Wilkinson's trying to be like, yeah, and this guy killed him. He's like, no, I'm your uncle. Like, remember me? And then this, the, basically, the situation gets messy. Lone Ranger gets kicked off the train. He finds Tonto again and he's like, yeah, you're right. We can't do this. There's too much power and too much corruption in the law. We need to do this your way. Hmm. And that's basically sets up for our, our third act. Which is 
a crazy third act. Dude, okay. So we get the the plan of the bad guy, which is like he bought all the silver from the mine. He's going to bring it to San Francisco. He's going to deposit it, make $65 million and basically buy out the stock in the company. And he's like, listen, I'm the new chairman now. And he, he's like, I shoots the old chairman, all that sort of stuff. But I will say this. When we get the Lone Ranger on the roof, on the horse, on the white horse and the and the William Tell Overture themes, the famous Lone Ranger theme plays. And he starts running along the buildings and like the whole train thing starts. Oh, happening. it was cool. It was cool. I get goosebumps. Like yeah. I, no, I, I when, can't, the theme, I, when the theme started and like, and when the, the, especially my favorite part is like, like that, that I, I was, I was like, I, yeah, I, it's like, I can't I like it. help it, but it's like, it's, it feels like this is the movie that I wanted to watch. Like, this is what I want the movie to be. And I love, I, I do love the choice where like, at least a version of that theme plays throughout this whole third act. I think that this just fits the moment. And I feel like there's so many fun little bits of this. Like he's when he's running along the train in the horse, when he's inside the train with the horse, and he's shooting at the, the American general guy. I got to be honest. I was like really into just seeing him ride the horse on the train. Yeah, you're right. All that, the, the stunts with the horse, I was all into. And they, they really make you feel like they, they come through on him being the Lone Ranger at the That's end. That's the thing. That- it's like you know, when you see the movie Lone Ranger, you want the Lone Ranger to be the Lone Ranger. And this to me is like the most successful part of the movie because it's Gore getting to direct his crazy action sequences where there's like railroad and he like, you know, Tonto has to like, you know, to like avoid a crash. He like changes the route. So now the trains are side by side. Now they're jumping Mm -hmm. from train to train and there's all this craziness and there's, you know, people jumping from trains and there's like people running through trains. And again, the horse is running through the cars. Like there's all this really fun nuttiness here. And I think this is where Gore is most effective as a director where the Lone Ranger is most effective as a character because he's just being the Lone Ranger. This is what you expect the Lone Ranger to be. And they go with the theme playing and just all the kind of craziness and landing on, you know, Tonto lands hard on, on silver. And it's all this sort of crazy. I just loved everything and how like Cavendish is and they're, they, they kind of have a callback to their first confrontation in the opening part of the movie. There's just a whole bunch of really fun stuff within this sequence, and it's just a whole lot of fun. It, it is fun. It, it, it's 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 good. It's fun. Um, and I even, still think you would be forgiven by it, like this point, like because I think this is kind of how I felt when I first watched it. It's like the movie's just so long and meandering that, like, it's almost up to this. It, it this whole third act kind of has to repick up the pace of the movie. Yeah, and, and that's I, really and where. I, yeah. I don't know if it's a hundred percent successful in doing that because that's a big ask. Is for like your pace has slowed down incredibly, so now the last like you know ten minutes needs to do it. And I like it like I, that track on the soundtrack because I actually really dug the soundtrack, the score. Yeah. Um, but that's like I was like, oh, please let it be like just a big long run. It's like a nine minute track on this on the soundtrack, which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but I like I did like that. I also I I think. I don't think that the movie has done any favors by the two big action set pieces, both being train set pieces. I think there's room for that, but I think that that did call for maybe something a little bit just to diversify it, something bigger happening middle of the movie. But that, that's I, I 100% agree. I like both of them, and I like the way that they use the trains in both of those sequences. I think it's mm-hmm. especially fun in the last one where they have the two trains and how they kind of cross and interact with each other. But I think you're right. I think they're, I think, and I, I, I said this a lot at the top, I think this movie is missing a big, fun 
set piece in the middle of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Like and, and, and something the, and bigger than the, the house on fire. I think you yeah. need one more little fun piece where they're like escaping, like, you know, something like they're escaping the tribe and there's some sort of or they're escaping the uh, the American cavalry and there's like something that's going on. Some other crazy thing. Like if the, like if the and I know it comes later in the movie, but if like that bank heist was like a bigger yeah. thing, mm-hmm. um, would it, that would have been fun. Um, I did want to mention before we get any further, uh, the the part where they're setting up all that stuff for like the Lone Ranger, the the reappearance of of Helen Bonham Carter's character here, I thought was really fun too. Oh, great! Well, she's like you know she kind of gets the Union uh, the the American general with her ivory leg, and he's like ivory, like I like. Yeah, that. I know yeah. he's like so into it. I love it. And there's like this setup with the pickle jars again that we talked about earlier, where they explode when she shoots it. Also, the part where like he's going to walk towards her with the leg and all the other soldiers are like, like looking and he like screams like about face and they all yeah. have to turn around. It was good. Yeah, it was good. And she's like, Oh, you want to see more? There's more. Like, it's like I just love like, Cause it's like, it's ivory. That's and, like, the and then thing. it's just like the thing is like the almost there. Like that's a, the nice little setup. She, she shoots the thing and it explodes and everybody's flying everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of yeah, fun there. there. There's a lot of fun to be had in that. And uh, yeah, and I had fun. I had fun with the whole third act. It's definitely like big, like, you know, what you've kind of the Pirates movies evolved into. And like, yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff. I'll tell you one thing, though, that will always affect my view on this third act, though. So the big kind of thing, and this also happens earlier, and this is one of the other fun parts about the um the one really fun part about the whole frame story thing is that they kind of showcase them putting dynamite on this bridge and blowing up the bridge. But then it was like, what, what, where do we get the dynamite from? And that's where the bank heist comes in. So that kind of was a fun little wraparound. But essentially, they blow up this bridge. And it's a big part of like what the end, like the bridge is going to like pull the train down. And I have this book. Uh, it's a really good book. But I have this book about the history of Disney trains because obviously it's a big part of the company's history, the trains that go around the parks of Disneyland. And there's one part of the book that it lists every single train in the history of, of Disney, animated, live action, everything. And the book very specifically points out, and I always thought this was funny, the book that there is very specifically bo- points out that the bridge scene and the scene, the exact shot of the train like falling off the bridge is nearly identical to the opening of Toy Story 3. <laughs> like, like, it's literally like it kind of talks about it, but it shows the two train shots side by side, and it's literally like you couldn't tell which was which. That's just, funny. And I'm like, that'll always affect me. That's just like this movie that came out three years before. It has a very similar sort of brief moment that they share. Um, but then you get the... Yeah, there's like fun. There's like Tonto gets to... You know, gets to make the trade again. He gives the pocket watch back to the guy as he, as he, as he, uh, you know, careens off the bridge. Um, the way the, the whole Cavendish and the general getting like crashing into each other with the trains, I thought was a really fun little visual shot too, where like he sees the open, he's like through the cab opening and he's like screaming. I thought that was fun. I just, I really did enjoy the sort of third act train sequence. I thought it was very, it's like, it's like what, I want a Lone Ranger movie to be a, what's what a Gore Verbinski movie to be. I think it's just the strongest part of the movie. Yeah. 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 It was good. I enjoyed it. I still think I, 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 I would have liked to have gotten a bit better of a sense of like what, cause he's very capable. So I'm like, where did this capability come from? Yeah. That, so I, I kind of like, there, yeah, there is a weird sense too, because at the beginning of the movie, um, you know, it's very much like, he's kind of like, well, I don't like guns. 
And like, even like the original joke about how he like, you know, Hey, let's do this. Like man, I boxed in law school. And then like, it comes up again at the end. And I feel like there's a little bit more. Yeah. But I feel like the more we talk about, the more I feel like, I wonder if that is vestiges of that earlier, more supernatural focus script. There's a thing I would have actually, that really would have been fun. And I think it would have been cool if they did more of it is because he has like his aversion to guns. But I think it would have been fun if they played more with the idea of like that he can do like fun, interesting stuff with yeah. the gun. Because it was always like he would shoot the gu- other guns out of your hand or like the big one in, in, earlier in the movie where the bullet ricochets around and then like l- makes the thing land on the guys. I, I think that would have been that's something right, I think they could have played with a little well, cause bit. Because I think the the other thing we talked about, like as the spirit walker, right? The other thing is that we talked to, we didn't mention this is that uh, Tonto melts all the ranger um what's it called he, he melts all the ranger things uh the the, oh, the, the, bad, the, the badges, the badges yeah. mm-hmm. into a silver bullet and the whole concept that tonto says about the silver bullet like it's a bullet that can't miss mm-hmm. like it's just like and that's that's the whole thing where he's like because he has to when uh tom wilkinson is like has tonto on the silver car and he's like you know t- don't range is a little bit farther away and he's like all right i can't miss i got the silver bullet and then he shoots the gun out of his hand there's like yeah fun with that but i do i do think you're right that we could have had a little bit more fun with that especially because the silver bullet comes up at the end when it's given to the kid i feel like no you you also know it was badass in the third act when they have like the the crank gun and they're like shooting at the at the train car yes and then he uses the whip to like you know to wrap it around and he pulls it up as it's firing and it shoots at the other guys i thought that was badass i was like yes (laughs) I, i guess i should mention that like another part of what because I think this is also important to mention in talking about how the film kind of reconciles with his Native American history, that another part, not just the betrayal of like Tom Wilkinson's character, but that the the Comanche tribe does come to kind of save the Lone Ranger, essentially, and like mm-hmm. come, come to like fight these guys. And these guys just get the, the Native Americans get slaughtered by the kind of the machine gun. And uh, when when they're going to execute the Lone Ranger, and it very much does play it as this like, oh, this is a tragedy that yeah. like all these that, that we essentially like, if if the Lone if if Dan uh, if John Reed had like taught believed in this Tonto and it just killed Cavendish when the time when they had the opportunity that this whole tribe would have still existed. And he, ha- he has that guilt on his hands, which kind of makes him more willing to kind of go but, through and, all those plans. And they even spend a beat to like really spend time and illustrate that the general has blood on his hands now because, you know, like and th- yeah. that's not necessarily something that he wanted to do, you know? So, yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's still, you know, still all the Native Americans are dead in the movie, but like, you know, it's, it's right. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like we want to portray this history, but also, again, the one that survives is like the one non Native American. It's Johnny actor. Depp. It's Johnny fucking Depp is the only one that survives. This is, again, the complication of like, I know. I, it I is know. one of those things where you can tell at points there is the best of intentions, but sometimes that's just not enough, unfortunately. It's just, it's just hard because it's like, I, unfortunately, this is the case where sometimes the actor and it just it's it's hard it's not fair but just you knowing the actor just gets in the way of the movie yeah um so yeah so you know then they get to the end and it all worked out and you know reed's like i'm not done with the mask well essentially he's like it's time to take off the mask it's time to reveal yourself as a hero and now he's just like now like 
it's essentially like again the the classic lone ranger classic western trope of just like listen like i might be done with this town but there are other towns that are facing injustices and yeah i'm i'm off to be like i don't want i don't want your box of crumbs i'm off to be western batman (laughs) um take your box of crumbs how dare you Yep, and then we talk about the the end where you know he just leaves the wife and the kid behind, and him and Tonto ride off. And again, more. I I, I think the thing whole thing is like they keep giving. You're very much right too when we were talking about how when Tonto says like kind of the the wisdomy things, it's not as if he's giving actual wisdom because he's because they have this whole thing where like he's going to be presented with the nice watch that like Tom Wilkinson's character was supposed to get. But then, like, it's revealed that Tonto put, like, the bird seed in the thing, and he has the watch. And then the Lone Ranger's like, hey, man, like, I do think it's not really that fair. That It's not like, you know, like, you know, it's not like he, the bird, needs a watch. Like, it's, it's this weird thing, and it's like a bird, you know, a bird seed for watch is not a fair trade. And then the, the Tonto's like, a bird cannot tell time. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah. what are you saying? You're just saying weird things to be weird. And again, this is where the weirdness just doesn't really coalesce. And Again, then we get the, again both of the weird Lone Ranger kind of jokes at the end, where like the Lone Ranger is like, "Well, how about I, I'm like the Lone Gunman of the West," and Tom and all the stuff's like, "No," and then and he's like, "Well, you know what Tonto in Spanish means, right?" And then it's just that that whole bit, and then the kid we go back to the kid and like is like, "Hey, did that really happen?" The kid gets the silver bullet. He's like, "Never take off the mask." We cut to the famous hi ho silver away, and then Johnny Depp's like, "Never do that again," and that's the end of the movie, essentially. Yeah, it's really weird. It, it's really weird. I could have sworn, and this is when I was like, "Did I miss that?" Did can you tell me if I missed this? But I could have sworn that there was going to be a beat in this movie where he was going to say that Kimosabi means friend. No. I, I just could have swore that was going to happen. Like, I was like, I was waiting for it the whole time because he keeps calling him that. And he's like, oh, it's wrong, brother. And I always thought, like, it meant something else. And I looked it up and they said there are some translations where it means friend. And it just seems like the movie is sorely lacking that final connection to the two. Because yeah. remember when he he was like, yeah, about this name, Kimosabi, I thought that's what it was going to, to happen i'm like lord forbid there's something in this movie to connect these two characters yeah it, it really feels like yeah there was just so much of them arguing with each other and 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 the back and forth and leaving for dead there one beat of them at the end actually being like hey we're we're kind of cool we're kind of partners now yeah and then, you, and then you can still have the bickering the front friendly bickering at the end but you just need that moment where like and the birdseed watch moment is not one. It's not him being like, "Oh yeah, I guess I can tolerate this kind of nonsense now." It's like you need you need, <laughs> you need you need a little bit more than that. I'm you're correct. So yeah, so then we go back to the present, and old Tonto is all suited up and ready to go on a vacation. I don't know what's happening. What is what is that? That was when I was like, okay, there's, I don't there's understand. Like, there's supposed what to be implication again. He's like ghost or that he's kind of like a spirit that can travel between time. Cause there's a whole like bit, I guess I was like looking for it, but I didn't really catch it. But I guess I'm like, there's a whole bit where he like at one point when he's trading stuff, he has the kids peanut bucket from the past in, in the, in the, from the present in the past. So like, there's like, is he like a time traveler? Like, 
Is he pulling things through like a like a portal? Is it the multiverse? Nobody really knows because the whole thing is like they they show the Lone Ranger riding off with with Tonto at the end, then they do the credits, and then like where like a mid credit scene would be, they show like the old suited up Tonto like walking slowly through the desert, like implying that like and because the other thing they do is like. They do the whole thing where like the kid looks at the silver bullet and then he looks up and like Tonto's completely disappeared. Like, where did he like he couldn't have disappeared that fast? There's like, again, weird sort of again, this weird spiritual implications that just don't help the interpretation of the Native American character. I got to be honest, I started this like kind of complicated skewing positive. Now I'm just very staunchly in the meh. I think I again. I think there are a couple points throughout the movie that I like. I like the uh, I like the opening train sequence. I like the end train sequence. I like Helen Bottom Carter. I like moments between Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. Uh, I like Gore's direction, and I think that Gore's direction is what keeps the movie sustainable to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's my favorite part of the movie. I like Gore Verbinski's direction, and um, it made me miss him, and it makes me want to watch Rango later today. Yeah. And I, and I also think it really showcases just how much had to come together for those Pirates movies to be as good as they were. And I, I think it also really makes me reflect on just how much I enjoy that trilogy of films, because I, I do think there is some multiverse out there. There's like that first Pirates movie is more akin to this in pacing and tone. Mm. And I feel like you, we're, we're kind of saying same things where it's like, oh, like I like Gore's direction if we're talking about pirates on a podcast even. So uh, I really did think that like, you know, it just kind of showcases that it's, there's a lot that goes into making these movies successful. And the fact that that first Pirates movie is what it was is as much of a miracle now as it was then. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I do kind of want to kind of go back to this thing like, I don't know. I did find myself being like, it is a very particular type of blockbuster movie yeah. that Disney was really attempting to do. Like, I can knock the 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 runtime and everything. But the thing about it is, and I know people are going to hate me if I say this, like, like, it's different than, like, how long, like, the Batman is. You know, like where it's just kind of like a long mystery, like and, and and that's fine. But there was always something about where the Pirates movies went, where like movies like John Carter went and like movies like this went, where it, it does feel like a movie that is using its runtime to try to create like a world and an epic. Yeah. And uh, that's what there are vestiges of that in this film i think right and i think right? yeah yeah because i think it, 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 it for whatever strips issues and like again we talked about a lot about elliot and rousio as writers over this kind of series of films and i think there are points where they're you know some, same thing with their pirates movies where their sense of the little details creating a world are here and can be effective it's just that there are points where again we have random cannibal bunnies and it's like oh well that's kind of a different thing that like when they kind of open up with like them talking about the legends of Cavendish, when all the Rangers are like, well, I heard he eats hearts. I heard he ate someone's leg. I heard he ate his own foot just to prove a point. Like there's some stuff about the world that they are able to settle and some stuff with the characters as we saw in pirates. And sometimes occasionally with this film that there are those strong points. I just feel like with this film, their strengths 
don't really really come to light whereas they yeah. do in those pirates films yeah i know i agree i agree i just i, I just kind of like it, it just reminds me of an era that i think uh like i appreciated a little bit more when it was out i still have not seen john carter i think at some point you should oh no i should 100 percent. i think i yeah I, I, I think like especially because you like effects and you like motion capture effects uh, and you like Mark Strong. I do, I do like Mark Strong. And he gets to play. It's another villainous Mark Strong performance. So, Oh, man. You can never go wrong. You can never go wrong. That's another. What was K- Taylor Kish? What's his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taylor Kish. Yeah. That was another one where they were setting him up to be like, here's a new here's a new action. Go-. Nope. Never mind. Remember when he was Gambit? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in Battleship. Oh, yeah. Yes, he was. Was he the one that messed up the battleship line you were talking about? Or is that someone else? Um, I don't know if I can tell that story. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'll cut that then. It's all good. Okay. Um, anyway, so... And this is one of the last parts about this specific episode is talking about the results, the aftermath, and the legacy of this movie. Um, this movie was a major, major box office flop. Oh, yeah. Um uh, with a reported somewhere between $225, $250 million budget, it grossed $89 million total in the U.S. for a, and $171 worldwide for a worldwide total of $260. Um, and that's not including the reported um, uh, huge marketing budget and all the other stuff that goes into the movie outside of that marketing uh, there outside of the movie itself, there was a lot of reports that the movie's losses could result in over 150 million, and that in relationship with the previous year's John Carter, which also suffered a huge box office loss, um, and the, just the string of you know big time box office flops for Disney, uh, really sort of shifted the direction of this company. This is also when Rich Ross. Uh, leaves the position of chairman of the Walt Disney Studios and Alan Horn comes in from Warner Brothers to take the position. And Disney looks at all these and they look at sort of the very much the big success of the Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland and the next year's success of the 2014 film Maleficent and then the 2015 film Cinderella. And at, at this point as well, you know, they're in the trenches of, well, they've now owned Marvel and 2012 obviously had the big Avengers success and we're heading into sort of the real, the era, you know, because all that was done under Paramount. So we're adding into the real Disney era. The Star Wars stuff is happening at this point. It really does these films, John Carter, it really is kind of the nexus of all this, but the Lone Ranger and everything that kind of happened before that too is really sort of where the current state of Disney live action is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a theatrical live action, I should say, because we are at a point where, you know, because of the way that the streaming world works, I mean, we just had this Chip and Dale movie release, which I mean is, would never be, I I feel like it's just sort of, sort of a thing where like they're, they're making it because, okay, we're going to put it on streaming and we don't have to commit to it, having a box office and marketing it in that way and spending that money in that type of marketing. But like, it really did shift the way that Disney viewed its live action production. And I, I I think that these films are, do have that legacy of being like kind of the last of this era of like that post pirates era where they were taking this like, 
okay, we're going to do a Haunted Mansion movie. We're going to do a Tron sequel. We're going to do this big John Carter thing. We're going to do Lone like that sort of era of the company. Um, sort of that that the vestiges of the Rich Ross. I, I would ar- I would argue interesting picks, like you know they they are all properties, but more interesting picks of properties, and then trying to do something that is entertaining and in the spirit of it, but something kind of different and weird too. Like yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it it is it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and also I should say another part of it is that the movie was uh, berated at the on the critic side of things. Something that uh, all the stars and producers and directors of the movie were very critical of the American critics' response to this movie. Uh, Gore, Depp, Bruckheimer, and Hammer all kind of commented that they felt that critics weren't really giving the movie a shot. That they were commenting more on the budget and the production issues that the movie had over the actual content of the movie. Uh, Hammer also specifically said that the movie uh, the movie suffered a similar fate to World War Z, where um again it was just more people were more focused on the production and sort of the the crazy backstory of the movie as opposed to the finished product and bruckheimer would go on to say that he felt that this was a movie that people would rediscover in years and figure they were wrong about that it was a beautiful and bold and and thrilling film um and 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 just a lot of comments of just being upset with american critics on this well i mean to be fair there are erratic shades of all of those things just spattered in here (laughs) There is some bold decisions. There's some beauty in, in some parts. Yes. And uh, there's a there's a moment of two or thrills. Right. Yeah. And and I, I feel like this movie, like I think there are parts of this movie that could have gotten a like re-look at, but I always think that this movie is always, no matter what, and, and rightfully so, has the Johnny Depp thing hanging over it that I think yep. are gonna avoid people actually having any sort of thoughts on it. Because I yep. just think there is no really at this point excusing that like you can say all the things you want, but Johnny Depp playing the Native American is just it's just not it doesn't feel right. It's not where it's at. No, there is one person, though, that was a big champion of this movie. I don't know if you remember this, but this movie. Oh, wait, hold on. I think I remember. Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. This movie did make Quentin Tarantino's top 10 films of 2013. Yep. I remember that. That was, I think the first big, like everybody started being like, wait, what (laughs) about Tarantino and his uh, taste in movies, but I can kind of see it. Yeah. I can kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, I I could know. I can see exactly why Tarantino would like a movie like this. I feel like this is very much like, in his way up his alley. I mean, it, it feeds into all like the Western pulpy, like, you know, kids entertainment that, you know, I mean, Tarantino seems to kind of be open to and liking. There's a dirtiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. There was also a comment from some sort of box office historians about how uh, this movie specifically was on the long line of high concept Westerns that had failed at the box office. And this movie would join the ranks of Wild Wild West, Jonah Hex, and Cowboys and Aliens as big kind of weirdo scientific slash superhero slash science, you know, fantasy westerns that didn't hit didn't hit out with audiences at the box yeah, office. So. Yeah, no, they're right. And with that, I think it's time to uh, conclude uh, this sort of, you know, there's no Lone Ranger sequel. No. Uh, we can't we can't dig into that. There there was plans for it. Like I said, there was plans that if this movie was successful, they could do it. 
There were potential plans to add stuff to Disneyland. We're, we're now Galaxy's Edge, it's actually, which is funny enough. But there's no sequel. We have finished up with Star Trek. We have finished up with they, Pirates. Oh, oh, they did get uh, Disney Infinity figures, though. They did. That's right. Yeah, they that was did. Right, that right. It was right in that era. We did get a Disney Infinity, Lone Ranger, and Tonto, right? Just the two of them? Yep. Do you have those? No, I do not. <laughs> I know. I know you had a Disney Infinity collection for a while. I know because that was the thing. Because remember, they kind of had the initial collection, and then they, but they were really. I think then they released them for Lone Ranger, and then it was kind of like, oh, like all the new releases are going yeah. to like have Disney Infinity figures, right? And then it got canceled. Yeah, they they were. I don't even know if they ever got released, but I think Alice in Wonderland two had them planned to come out. I don't know if they actually yeah, came I, out. I believe there's a couple that we know were produced. This is a really weird tangent. We have a couple that we know were like samples were produced. They were planning like what season three or whatever it was. I think there were more Star mm-hmm. Wars figures were coming to. Doctor Strange. They, yeah. I, I do know that one because that was around that yeah. when that was coming out. Yeah, because the last Marvel one was Ant-Man, I think. Yeah, I have yeah. Ex- I have exactly one Disney Infinity figure. And Cora from Tron. Tron, and that's because I won it at a Comic Con. Ah, I wanted I wanted a Comic Con event, like a Disney Games Comic Con event, and they let me choose. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to choose Korra because Tron Legacy rocks." Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, all right, yeah. So there's no sequel. We are done with Pirates. We are done with uh, Star Trek. We have a fresh slate, and I would like to take a brief moment right now to announce what our next episode is. And what our next new franchise is, if you are if you are down the clown. Um, so we we've gone like I said, we've gone through Star Trek, we've gone through um, Pirates with our Lone Ranger bonus, we've gone through King Kong, and I think well, I think I miss talking about apes. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! I, I think I want to get into a little more more ape craziness because our next franchise and our next episode of Bonzilla is going to be Planet of the Apes, um, which I am very excited to dig into. We'll be looking at, next time we'll be looking at the original classic 60s Planet of the Apes films, but I'm very interested to dig into those four sequels of the original. I know you have thoughts on the Tim Burton 2001 uh, Planet of the Apes movie, and we'll eventually get to the, the modern Planet of the Apes movies, which are considered some of the most recent great modern blockbusters so i'm very excited to take on uh the planet of the apes series sounds good and then uh i I will leave you hanging on what our other new series will be and that will be uh announced at the end of the planet of the apes episode so be sure to tune in and keep your ears open um we're done good all all the chaos of our production today is done uh timers and lunches and everything in between um, bonzillapod at gmail.com twitter.com slash bonzilla007 you can like and subscribe iTunes and SoundCloud again thank you for your patience with us getting this episode out and thank you for continuing to support Bonzilla uh, just by listening and sharing and uh, I like that you guys are still still on board with us and we're we're, 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 we're in it until we don't want to do it anymore I guess <laughs> that's as best, best as I can say sounds good alright man I'll talk to you later Bonzilla friends take care everybody Bye-bye.
could be worse. Worse. How could this be worse? Could develop an itch on your nose.